Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Winchester Radio. Happy New Year. Uh, the last time we talked to you, it was uh, 2011. Uh, this is our podcast. Uh, again, we have a, another very special guest in, uh, today. Uh, we'll be talking about last night's episode, the first new episode uh, back since uh, Death's Door, titled um, Adventures in Babysitting. We're going to be talking with uh, the writer of that episode, Adam Glass, in just a second. I just want to let everybody know that uh, you can listen to our podcast uh, through blogtalkradio.com. You can download us through iTunes. You can always go to our website, winchesterbros.com, and click on the Winchester Radio icon. That will take you to Blog Talk Radio uh, Media Boulevard. Uh, you can go to our Facebook and Twitter, Winchester Bros, and find uh, links and updates there all the time. Uh, we are not going to be taking uh, call um, calling questions tonight, so um, I'm going to introduce our guest, uh, who is a co-executive producer of Supernatural and writer, and Adam Glass. Hi, Adam. Welcome to um, the podcast. We're very excited to have you here. You're our very first Supernatural writer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Winchester Brothers. Uh, really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, and I and I know you're not just a writer. You wear the wear a co-executive producer hat, but um, since you have also written, you are our very first writer. So we're very excited. Yeah. I appreciate that. We're all writers at the end of the day. <laughs> these, these titles, you know, they they're just titles. We're we're all writers, and we're all giving to the same to the show. Everybody is. Yeah. Um, maybe we could start with you just uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, got to be with Supernatural, and then we have uh, lots of questions. So. Um, well, I I was born on a summer day. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> basically, I um, I you know was write was a writer in Hollywood as a screenwriter, and then you know moved into television. Uh, and once I got into TV, I was always a big comic book guy and genre guy, so I always really enjoyed, you know, horror movies and, and what we would call genre-type kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I started writing comic books for Marvel Comics and, um, you know, was a fan of the show, and I had just gotten off Cold Case. And um, actually, I was very fortunate where I had two offers, and one offer was to go to NCIS LA, and the other was to go to Supernatural. And I picked Supernatural, and everyone thought, well, he's going to pick NCIS LA. You know, it's the, the number one show, and it's on a big major network. But uh, I was really a fan of Sam and Dean's and just thought it was such a well-written show and wanted to have that experience of writing a genre show because up to that point I had written comedies and procedurals, but I hadn't had really had the chance yet to, to write a genre show. And with that, and I think my comic book background, um, I sort of was a good fit for the show, and uh, glad I did it. I'm glad I'm part of it because, uh, you know, however long the show ends up running, you know, it'll always be something that was part of my life, and I'm proud of it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, well, I was say that's a, that's a very interesting choice because they're they're such at different ends of the spectrum. NCIS LA, which I, I happen to watch, 
Um, I don't feel you the don't, same you way don't about think... it as I do Supernatural, but boy, Supernatural's way at the other end of the spectrum. So do you don't think Sam and Dean and LL Cool J are all in the same ballpark? <laughs> Can you, you see the three of them? Maybe we'll do a team up. We'll have LL come to the show or something. <laughs> you know, that crossover is out there somewhere, I bet. Yeah, hip, hip, hip-hop meets classic rock. <laughs> So you mentioned that you were a fan of the show beforehand. Had you been had you watched it since um, the beginning? Or? Well, it was really funny when I sat down with Eric and Sarah and Bob. I was really honest with them. I said, you know, look, I I really loved the first two seasons, and then I said I had children and I stopped watching TV. <laughs> so uh, when I when I took the job, I really had to catch up and you know watch you know seasons three, four, and five, and I did, and I loved it, you know, and. Um, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, I got involved last season and sort of feel like in some ways we went back to the beginning, you know, and we started telling more Monster of the Week stories and it wasn't, you know, the fight for, you know, heaven and, you know, hell and all that stuff and, you know, angels and demons as much and we got back to sort of the Monster of the Week model. So I felt like the being a fan of the show the first two seasons and knowing the show really helped me uh, when it came to sort of doing that stuff and really, really not only like but respected what Sarah did and how she put her own mark on the show and yet stayed true to Eric's vision. You know, I thought she did a great job. And uh, once again, you know, it's like I feel like even this year is better. I feel like we're really doing some great stuff with Leviathans and, um, you know, just as always, you know, the boy melodrama between Sam and Dean is always very interesting. And, I, I, you know, I believe that's why people watch the show at the end of the day think the monsters and all that are nice coloring but i think at the end we're just we're we're all in love with these brothers including the writers and we want to know what their journey is and what their end is going to be and we're, we're we're on the we're on the trip with them and you know i've said this before and i really mean it. it's like you know people say oh i go to hell and back for you you know and it's a saying and most people never really would but these guys do and they have you know and uh i think that's what we love about them I think, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what pulls it in is Sam and Dean and their relationship and how, you know, they put each other first. And and the monsters are just frosting on the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, look, I mean, Sam and Dean, too, you know, it's like, yeah, they put each other first. But, look, you know, like any relationship, it's complicated. It's not easy. It's not, you know, so cut and dry. They have secrets and they don't tell each other stuff. And, yeah, sometimes it's to protect each other and, sometimes because they don't trust the other one. But at the end of the day, and, and what I love about it is it's really a show about two guys who really love each other. You know, but we, ne- we never say that, you know, and they're never hugging it out and saying, I love you, bro, but we know that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, can you tell us what the process is for, um, for a script, how it goes from, you know, starting it out with the story to actually having the script finished and being filmed? Can you go through the process with us? Sure. You know, what usually happens is um, you'll go in the room and Eric, Sarah, or Bob, you know, this year, just Sarah and Bob. Last year, Eric was, you know, obviously uh, much more involved in that process. And you'd pitch stories. You'd say, okay, here's five ideas I have for an episode. And most of the time they would find one of the, you know, one of those five ideas would land. Sometimes you'd be lucky and land two or three and you wouldn't get to write that episode. But um, your pitch on it, like, you know, this year I pitched um, – you know, a couple of different episodes, and uh, I didn't necessarily get to write them, uh, but, you know, I, you know, I I was the starting sort of 
you know, thing to it, and then that sort of, you know, got everything going. And, and vice versa, I've written episodes that were other people's ideas, but usually you get to write your own idea, and then you flush that idea out. And then what ends up happening is you put up what you call a rough port, just bullet points. Like, here's what I think, this is what I think the episode's going to be like. And then Sarah or Bob or Eric would come in, and then they would start helping you with it. So, you know, going through it and saying, okay, this works, your act out works here, we have a hole here, this is what we do. And you could be in the room anywhere from a week to two weeks working on an episode, you know, until it lands. And all the writers, especially this year, we've really all been helping each other out. So, like, whoever's up usually gets the attention of everybody else unless someone's off on script. And we all just work on it together. And we just, you know, we just sit in the room and we pitch ideas and we laugh and we talk about the past and we have people who, you know, who are real experts, you know, um, Jenny Klein, who is well, our writer's assistant, is like, you know, the oracle. She knows everything that's, you know, happened on the show. And David Reed, who's one of our script coordinators, he's, he's another guy like that. He just, you know, has all this knowledge. You can go to him and say, hey, did we ever do this? Or did we ever see this monster? Or pitch them an idea and like, have we ever done anything like this? You know, and they could say, well, you know, and, and season two, episode 13, you know, so they, they sort of really really have a great idea on um, how to do that stuff and, and what we've done and what we haven't done. So, um, And then what happens is once you turn around, you, you, what you do is a final pitch of the board. Um, you'll finally get to a place where you guys will pitch to the showrunner, okay, here's the whole thing. And they'll make some tweaks to it. And then basically what ends up happening is you go off to outline. And once you go off to outline, then um, – you you know you get notes from the studio and network, and they will say to you, okay, what is um, you know what is your you know here are the notes on what we think works and what doesn't work, and then you make those fixes on that, and then you go off on script, and then you usually get a week to write your first draft, then you get notes on that, and then from your showrunner, from so in this case it would be Sarah and Bob, and then when we're done with that, we do another pass. And then after that pass, it goes to the studio network. And then they give you notes, and you fix it. And then once all that's said and done, um, Sarah will take one last look at it. She might punch up a line here or two, and uh, then it goes off to uh, production. And then they do what they call tone meetings, and there's casting, and there's all that stuff, and then it becomes an episode of television. Wow. For, so for with this episode in particular, how um, how big was it to start with and how much did you have to cut down to get down to where everybody was okay with it? Well, it's really interesting. Some pitches are more thought out, and then there's some pitches that just have sort of like a, um, a small, um, you know, like you just have a, you have a germ of an idea that everybody gets. So... We were talking a lot about revenge and how would we feel after Bobby died and, you know, all those things. And uh, I just started thinking of um, uh, the movie True Grit, you know, and Mm -hmm. about this girl. And uh, so, you know, when I went in and pitched it, I was like, imagine the girl from True Grit. Imagine the boys get a call, you know. And I said, in some ways, Sam is like Matt Damon's character. And uh, and I said, and, and then you got, you know, uh, Dean being Jeff Bridges, you got one guy who's like, you know, sort of like trying to be cool with the kid and another guy who's a little harsher with the kid. But it's like this idea of revenge and they got to sort of go on this, you know, 
journey, and i got to bring this kid along, and all she wants is revenge, and she's not who we think she's one thing, but she's another. And that was really the, the starting idea for it, and that is how it sort of all came together. Like, originally, I pitched it, and Sarah was like, done. I mean, she got it, you know, right away, and saw that it was also an episode of television. You know, and I've written seven of these, and I'd say out of the seven I've written, there's been two or three like that, where I said an idea, and they were like, you know, totally get it. Like, you know, I can't tell you what I'm writing now, but it was another one of those, too, where it was like, here's the idea. And it was like, you know, yep, that's it. So, yeah, the general uh, idea was there, and that's how we sort of, you know, we jumped, and we and, and from that we built it out. This was a pretty important uh, episode because it's the first one after we thought would be um, the death of Bobby, because it wasn't, you know, a hundred percent clear at the end of Death's Door. Um, uh-huh. Bobby's spirit was making a decision to stay or go, and uh, this was the first episode back. Did you, were you very aware of 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 the place and importance of this episode? And it was right after Bobby dying. Um, there's a there's a, a very tiny moment in this episode, and you probably can't answer my question, and I totally understand that, and we talked about this before mm-hmm. um, yeah. we came on the air, but I, I just, I'm going to mention it just so you know that it, it was it was noticed, and there was probably a lot of fans who kind of went, hmm, over it, and that's the uh, who drank Dean's beer, and maybe that's all we'll have to say, but you can just know that it may be nothing, but, yeah, you know, it's it like it's one of those moments that, you know, it could be a lot of different things, you know, and that question, you know, always in these things, you know, is Dean losing his mind? Is there really something there, you know? And, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, to answer your first part of that question, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've somehow gotten, you know, a couple of times I, I always feel like I'm following these amazing episodes that Sarah wrote that have these really sort of, you know, potential, you know, sort of powerful, you know, sort of things that are going to change the, you know, nature of our show. And then I got to come in and, you know, it's funny, you know, because most shows would handle it very heavily, heavily handedly, you know, they would turn around and, you know, be very, very harsh and, and sort of like, you know, melodramatic and, and melancholy and, we actually decided to go another way with it, which is what I really appreciate. Like, yes, there's some darkness to it, but it's not like we hit it over the head with a hammer. It's like, you know, your body's dead and we're upset. You know, if you think about, like, let's go back a little bit and think about when their dad died. You know, that was, there was much more of a meal made out of that when John passed away. Um, Then I think it it has been made with Bobby and, and sort of it's like, you know, it's also sort of like, you know, yes, they love Bobby. Yes, we love Bobby. Uh, but they also have a job to do. And, you know, and their job, unlike most people's jobs, is the world's always at stake, you know. And it's like you have these two guys driving around in a, in a you know, beat-up muscle car, you know, that are really the only thing separating from the world ending is these two guys, you know, and uh, that most people wouldn't give two looks to. And they're the two most important people, really, on the planet. So um, I think they they don't have as much time to grieve as, as you and I do. You know, I think they have uh, so much time and they got to get back to business. Mm-hmm. And, um, is there a specific reason why we didn't get to see like 
with um, John, you know, we got to see the funeral pyre. Yeah. And um, was there a specific reason why we didn't find out what happened with Bobby? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, we talked about all those things and everything, you know, and there are certain decisions that are made that are obviously above even, uh, as I like to say, above my pay grade. Uh, but, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think it was it was just like let's move on and let's catch up. Because, you know, you also have to remember, here, here's one thing. I know this sounds nuts, but there's also a break, you know, for the audience. So we always see it as real time. You know, it's like we didn't want to pick up and it's the day after Bobby died. We were like, we're off for a month. So all that stuff would have happened already. Like, so we wanted you to pick up the episode, like, you know, like real life. Like, it's been a month since Bobby died. Where are we at now? Not where are we the day after Bobby died, if that makes sense. Okay, so that's why you did, like, the passage of time thing at the beginning with the first week, yep. second week, third week. Okay, that's, yep. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I thought that that was really effective the way, it, you know, with it showing how Sam and Dean were first pretty much catatonic, basically, you know, for the first week. And then each week mm-hmm. they kind of became more alive back, you know, getting back to real life again. Yeah, very simply mm-hmm. done, you know, not complicated at all, but, you know, sort of like you said, it's a catatonic at first, then start to look at clues and then finally start to talk. Mhm. Um, was it was it in in your script where because I I I really loved that week one and Sam and Dean are just sitting there they look like they they barely moved you know in that week and but you see Sam look at Dean when he's not looking and then you see Dean looking at Sam when he's all because they're obviously sort of furtively checking on each other was that something you've written or you know, I, I have to give credit where the credit's due. That was a Sarah thing. Sarah put that in there, and I thought it was great, you know. Uh, but, you know, also to give credit to, the, you know, to Jensen and Jared, I mean, they know these characters as well, if not better than us. And they also a lot of times will find those moments themselves. You know, I'll see cuts of stuff, and I'll be like, oh, that was great. You know, that wasn't in the script, but what they just did was awesome, you know, because they've lived mm-hmm. with these guys so long and have such a strong sense of who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think as actors, you find things in the moment, you know, uh, when you're on set that, you know, we couldn't even see when we're writing it because, you know, it's like, once again, these guys live and breathe with these characters. Mm-hmm. So can you can you let us know how early in season's planning was the decision to kill Bobby? You know, I don't think we ever landed fully on it. I think it was something that was brought up and it was discussion. But, you know, look, a lot of times, because Bobby is a character that's taken with a lot of weight, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I think I'm not saying anything that, you know, just like the fans, I mean, we love Bobby. You know, we talk about him in the room. And, you know, last year, um, my favorite, one of my favorite episodes was Weekend at Bobby's, which, you know, uh, Andrew Dabb and Dan Laughlin wrote, you know, who are just so talented and they're, you know, and been on the show a long time. And, you know, I always tell them it's just one of my favorite episodes. And um, so so there's a lot of love for Bobby. So, you know, like when we talk about things in the room, you know, there's a mixture of sort of like how we personally feel and then what's best for the show and then also a sense and idea of what the fans must feel, you know, and, and so all those things are discussions in the room. So it's, here's a long way to answer your question. It was brought up, but I don't think any of us really knew till it happened if it was going to happen. 
Because you'll bring up something and say, yeah, and then you go, you go, you go, and then you get there and you're like, no, we can't do that, or, or no, we're going to go this way instead because we discovered something else that we never even thought about in the beginning of the year, but now five episodes, six episodes in, you know, this happened. You know, like we really come to, you know, there's characters that are introduced, like we introduced um, this character, Garth. You know, and we really like Garth. So, you know, like you just hear a lot of people pitching Garth ideas a lot in the room now because we like Garth, you know. So that's how things happen. It's how, you know, Crowley become, became big, and that's how Cass started, and that's how all these characters start because, you know, we try them out once, and the fans like them, and we like them. So we start to say, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if this character did this with this story and that? And those things lead to things we could have never guessed in the beginning of the year. So you can plan certain things in the beginning of the year big, big moves and stuff like that. But as you move on, what you start to realize is that, you know, as they say, you know, it's, uh, you know, the details of things, you know, sort of sort of more form themselves as you go on and you make discoveries that you couldn't have possibly known in the beginning of the season. And going along with that same thing, we uh, it seems like everybody really likes Chrissy and her dad. Any chances, you know, that... Maybe we could see them again later on. I hope I hope so because I get a character payment every time they show up. <laughs> so <laughs> I want I want them back. Yeah, it's funny. And Chris and my cousin Chrissy Doran, who lives in Georgia, I named uh, the character after her. So I was really uh, happy to see that uh, she made it in there and that she did a great job. And I just thought the actress did a good job. And yeah, I'm hoping her and her dad do come back. I think they're interesting, though. You know, we leave them at the end of the episode with them walking away, which was a big conversation that we had because. You know, and I forget who brought it up in the room, but somebody said, has, you know, has a hunter ever walked away? Like, all these hunters usually just die hunters. Like, you know, how about we have someone who actually walks away from it? So it could be interesting. We'll see. You never know. Uh, but I'm really glad people like them because uh, they are uh, – I really like them, too. I thought the father-daughter dynamic uh, was very interesting. Mm-hmm. He reminded a lot of people of, like, a younger Dean, I think. Well, that was the idea. That was the idea. And, you know, in some of the earlier drafts, hit it probably a little harder in the head. But that's exactly what we were trying to sort of make the, you know, Dean's sort of looking at a mirror reflection of himself at that age. And that's why he knows sort of all the tricks. That's why he says to her at that one point, like, where's, you know, I need the lockpick, you know, and I, I will frisk you, you know, because <laughs> he knows that he knows that's what he would have done as a kid. The only thing he didn't think about is I wasn't a girl, so I didn't have a bobby pin in my hair, you know, so... You know, that's that's where he makes the mistake, but then realizes later, you know, he's smart enough to catch up with it. Yeah. She was great. She was she was smart without being too precocious, you know? Yeah. She wasn't like an annoying kid. She was a real good kid. And um, Madison Blaine, who, who played Chrissy, I thought was terrific. I, I Well, it was really funny when I first saw the tape on her, I thought to myself that she looked like a, a young Sarah Gamble. I told that Sarah, and Sarah goes, really? I go, yeah, there's something very Sarah about her, you know? Um, and I imagine that's how Sarah was as a kid, so it was perfect. Yeah. And speaking of other characters and, and they're getting to be favorites, um, did you have fun writing Frank Devereaux, the character of Frank Devereaux? Ah, uh, yeah, I love writing. writing. I love writing Frank. Frank's funny, you know, like he's... Yeah, and you're right. He's another, like, one of those characters. We love it. Like, you know, we'll, in sort of the writer's room and then sitting and going to each other's office and talking, we'll, we'll get certain characters that we'll all start doing. And Frank's one of those guys where, like, we just start 
coming up with lines for him and start talking about him and you know uh you know I definitely would go on these rants cuz I sort of sort of as this like guy who probably you know experimented with a lot of drugs and you know has had his, his stuff you know all those CIA guys and all those testing things and everything so you know uh, when he turns around and he has that line, like, you know what you need? A little LSD and a, <laughs> and a massage, you know, should see massage. And he's like, I'm out of here. You know, Dean's like, I'm done. You know, but it's like, he's, you know, he's that guy and he's fun because he's unpredictable. But yet, you know, look, we get a chance to learn something about him. And you realize this all comes from a, you know, as a lot of people in Supernatural, comes from a really painful place when you hear the story about his family, you know, and what happened and how he got into all this, you know, it's like, it's, you know, not all pretty and you sort of understand why he's this guy. And then the actor just brings so much to it, you know, all his little cupcake and all that stuff, that language and all that's definitely him, you know, like he, he adds all that little stuff, which I just love and just think makes him, makes him awesome. Yeah. And by the way, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Sarah, Sarah does this thing, when she goes through your script, she'll do a check if she loves a line, and she really thought that was funny, and I remember her checking that in the script. Yeah, it was like, I was sitting here, and I was thinking, okay, who would be, you know, it, it, it's a mixture, it's not just who the character is, it's the name that's funny, so just the idea that Gwyneth Paltrow is, is, a, uh, <laughs> is, is a leviathan was funny to me, you know, and, and I love Dean, like, really, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm telling you, kid, you know. You know, it's like, because you go through it, and you're like, just, and it also has to be something that's just, you know, it's like, you don't want to hear a bomb or anything like that. It's like, it's just someone also who really doesn't matter that much, like, at the end of the day. I, and I apologize to all the Gwyneth Paltrow fans out there. I know she matters to somebody. I'm just saying, she's not changing the world. That's all. <laughs> I thought uh, it was funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Frank, well, um, he got the number wrong, you know, the number at the end, um, he said it was, a, you know, with Bobby's numbers, the number sh- he said was a three when it's actually a five. Will that, will there be any, will that cause any problems or anything? Can you? No, what he was saying actually was that there was one digit missing. So right. He was, so he, he found what that digit was, and that's what led them to the field. Um, so, um yeah, and we're going to find out more what that field means and what's going on and what the Leviathans plan on doing with it. Um, and, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be a plot point that will continue in our overall myth arc uh, as we move forward. And also this, and this could just be me, you know, being dumb, but <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, Frank had some weird time problems, like, um, Dean told him that it had been four weeks since he gave him the numbers and yeah. he said that it had only been four days. And yeah. um, when Dean fell asleep, he told him he was asleep for 36 hours. Was yeah. he actually asleep for 36 hours, or does Frank have a problem with time? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I had that you know, question we, too, Becky, so don't feel oh, bad. That was my question. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, no. No, it's very interesting. No, Dean, uh, at the end of the day, was um, – was was asleep for 36 hours. I think if you there's any issue with time, it's definitely Frank's own time clock is a little off. And we've hinted that Frank's on a lot of meds, <laughs> and that Frank is is probably probably been through a lot of shock therapy in his life and all those things. But you know, Dean was exhausted. Dean hadn't slept. You know, probably in the month that Bobby died a lot. So I think that was what we were trying to say was that you know he passed out from the exhaustion, and also is why he didn't he wasn't there for Sam. You know. And, 
so he has to go back and, you know, sort of has to fix this mistake because had he been able to answer the phone, he would have said, no, 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 you know, you, you, you got the wrong monster MO, you know, here's what it is. But because he wasn't able to do that, Sam was, you know, obviously got caught. You know, the Sam's, you know, look, we could sit here and, you know, everyone I'm sure would have their argument who's the better hunter between Sam and Dean. But, you know, Sam is definitely, you know, him and Dean are, are the two best out there, so. Okay, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. It had to be just Frank was not good with, you know, was <laughs> figuring out what how time actually ran or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, um, we, there was an interesting question um, from SuperWiki. They wanted to know um, if the writers could be possibly drawing on the myth of Sisyphus. There's been a few references, and Dean even referenced it in this episode, talking about pushing the rock up the hill. Mm-hmm. And you're saying you're asking? Well, I, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. So, are are the writers drawing on that myth, you know, for the storylines, or is that just something that maybe popped up? Are we talking about Albert Camus's? Uh, um, right. Yeah. Um, God, I haven't read that in a long time. Um, and I don't speak French, so no. <laughs> but it was originally a thing. Yeah, all about the absurd reasoning and the absurd man and all that stuff. Um, look, you know, everything is influenced, you know, in what we write by what we've read. So there are a lot of things that are discussed in the room and a lot of things, points are brought up. But I wouldn't say that we went out of our way to connect that. But I could see where people could see the connection. Okay, cool. Cool. That answers the question, yeah. But we're obviously influenced by everything we read and talk about in the room, and I'm sure, you know, that is that has come up a couple of times and everything like that. But um, uh, like I said, I don't think we like said, yeah, let's, let's let's you know, like, yeah. Even we're not that pretentious. <laughs> let's, let's teach people about the myth of Sithids. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like I said, if you really think back to it, I'm sure, like, if I – I really thought about it. I'd be like, oh yeah, we we were doing that, weren't we? You know. And in a completely different thing, how do you how do you go about each week deciding what's the monster going to be for the story? Say it one more time. I apologize. I didn't hear you. How do, um, how do you go about each week deciding what the monster, the main monster, is going to be for the episode? You know, once again, it really depends on the story. The story really dictates the monster. So we, we'll have weeks where we go in and we know exactly who the monster is, and we go in weeks and go, we'll figure out the monster later because we really like what's happening here. Like, you know, even in this one, we knew we, we didn't want to do exactly a vampire, but we knew we wanted something vampire-esque, like a cousin of a vampire. So, you know, it's how the Vitala came up, you know, but it's it, it was really truly in this one, too, was like, you know, we want something that, because here, here was the dilemma in this one, in all honesty. Here, here, you know, it was like we needed something that sucks blood, but something that didn't kill you right away. Because we wanted those scenes with, you know, Sam and the dad, and we wanted, you know, uh, time for us to go rescue them and all that. So, you know, we dig deep into our monster, you know, uh, dictionary, <laughs> you know, and sort of find something that fit that. Then there are times you go in and you're like, hey, here's the monster, here's the motive, here's your MO. I'm doing that now with the story, you know, where the monster came first. 
and uh, you're writing it from the monster point of view, and then you're backpedaling. So it's a long way of saying a little of both sometimes. You know, sometimes the monster leads it, sometimes the story leads it, and you figure out the monster. It really just depends on the, on the story. Uh, a lot of people were, in, including me, were curious um, during the fight against the, the Vitalas. Once Chrissy got involved, Dean like completely froze. Could you explain a little bit more about why Dean froze during that moment? I, you know, I just think there's a kid there. I think that changes everything. You know, I don't know if either of you have children, but you know, it's just it's a very sensitive place to be. And I just think even for Dean Winchester, it's like, you know, and I think Dean's shown in the past he, there's a soft spot. You know, when it comes to kids, you know, um, you know, I know an episode that upset a lot of people around the year when he kills the mother of the kid, you know, and then sees the kid, you know, in, in true, you know, if you really want to get into true <laughs> gene psychology, he's like monsters are monsters and monsters need to be killed. Well, he broke his own rule there because that kid's a monster. But, you know, even Dean can't kill a kid, monster at all. We dealt with it last year with uh you know, Two and a Half Men, an episode I wrote with the baby. You know, what do you do with a monster baby? You know, like he wasn't going to hand that baby over to, you know, uh, to Samuel and all that because he was worried they were going to kill it. So I think Dan, when it's come down to it, Dean has always had that soft spot for kids. And, you know, even though he's harsh with her in the beginning, you know, he, he likes Chrissy a lot. But, you know, it's like you're going to think twice before you do something when a kid's involved. Because I think a, I think a grown up is responsible for their actions. So you know, I think Dean could justify it. Like, okay, like if they get killed in the crossfire, you know, it's not what I want. I, I'm out to save lives, but if somebody gets hurt, then they're grown up. They know what they've done, and and they made this choice where a kid hasn't made that choice. You know, they're too young to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, Dean. We've always thought Dean basically raised Sam. Maybe mm-hmm. Sam as a kid, and then of course he had Lisa and Ben, her son yeah. Ben, and, and all that. So yeah, Dean's always special. Yes, Dean. Dean is the ultimate big brother. We should all be raised by Dean Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> big brother, <laughs> Dean Winchester. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, no, look, I, I half jokingly, you know, look, Mike, I got, you know, two kids and, you know, they, they love Dean too. And Sam, you know, but there's my, my son, I think especially is uh fond of Dean. <laughs> so something very boy about Dean, you know, manly about Dean, but you, you can't help but, uh, but like. Um, Laura Prudhomme, she's L-A-U-N-L-A on Twitter. Um, she tweeted that she wanted uh, um, to let you know she actually writes for the Huffington Post, and she wanted to let you know the whole Huffington Post, um, Huffington Post TV team was thrilled with the shout-out. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm glad they liked it. Yeah, I know that Dean reads the Huffington Post was was pretty funny. I know. I remember when that joke came up. I think we, that was pitched in the room. Someone pitched it, and, and we just started laughing. It, was, it wasn't even the It was the pitch was, you know, what if Dean's reading, like, the New York Times? It's something we just don't expect Dean to read, you know, because he's so obsessed with Dick Roman. You know, it gets Dean, you know, doing things that we wouldn't expect Dean to be doing, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, the Huffington Post thing was pretty funny. 
Yeah, look, you know, this show doesn't work without those two guys. You know, it works because they make you feel and believe the things we write, and then they take it to a whole other level. So, um, you know, it's it, we're always blown away by how they will take something and just, once again, take it to the next level or show an emotion or feeling or a shade of something that, you know, we can even think about in the writing. And that's the great thing, I mean, about acting. It's like all it takes is just the slightest thing to make you feel something, you know, look of an eye, uh, you know, blink a smile at the right moment, and it really just changes uh, the way a scene's played. And once again, you know, these guys just know these characters so well inside and out, you know, I think they can take any script and really, you know, just uh, make it great just by their performances. Now, um, was there, did you, I know like the director sometimes, like Guy B, he talked about, he'll put themes to episodes, like he'll put with the, um, with the Leviathans in the first episode, he would put water, a lot of water symbols throughout the episodes. Do you write any symbols or any hidden clues or anything into the episodes? You know, I, I personally don't. I know some of the writers do do that and, and do have that stuff. You know, I'm not, you know, that's if we talk about the writer's room, it might be something that comes up, but um, that is more, I think, a way a director thinks of visually. And, you know, thank God, once again, you know, the great thing about television is a lot of, it's, it's a bunch of different cooks coming together to prepare a meal. You know, the best meals are like when everybody's, you know, bringing something to the meal. And that's what great directors do. And, like, you know, on this episode, too, you should know who, you know, directed one of my favorite films of all time, Somewhere in Time. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie um, yeah. with Christopher Reeves, you know. And my, he's in a fa- okay, were you one, of my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, me too, you know, and he's just such a talented director. And, you know, they're just shots in there that are just beautifully framed. And just, you know, where you put the camera, just like acting, you know, helps define a scene. So, you know, when everything lines up and you've got, you know, everyone's doing their job, and that's including the editors, too. We have amazing editors. I don't, you know, I've seen episodes, you know, in their first cuts, and then you see them when they're done, and you're just blown away by how amazing they come. And that's, you know, we have a great post team, you know, that uh, Phil runs, um, one of our executive producers and uh you know they all just do such an amazing job and our editors do an amazing job and our music i mean it really is a great team of people and you know um even the people who are up in you know vancouver shooting the show you know we just have a great production crew and um you know i've worked on a lot of shows and everybody on this show is top notch you know and everyone really comes to it with love and gets the show and understands the show and feels the show and is proud of the show and proud of the work they do. And I think it shows, you know, I think that's why, you know, the show keeps going and going and going and uh, why we have the, the fan base we have, because even the fans are strong, you know, it's like, it really is. I mean, you got to remember, you know, uh, the shows, you know, no one thought this was going to survive at first, you know, and here we are, you know, and we're season seven, you know, and who knows, you know, this thing can, who knows how long this thing can go on, you know, um, but um, I think it's because everybody's, you know, bringing the same thing to it, you know, which is a lot of passion and love for it. And, uh, and uh, I mean, even look at what you guys are doing. This is amazing, you know, to have this blog, you know, radio show. And, uh, yeah, you know, you look at everything. It's just the, the industry that this has become is, is actually quite amazing. Mm. And is Thank there... You. 
Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> that is, no, um, no. Can you um is there can you point to any single moment or two, you know, when the actors or maybe the director or somebody pulled out some emotion in the scene that you weren't weren't expecting to happen? You know, uh, it's funny, you know, and, and Bob Singer, who's one of our executive producers and, you know, directs a lot of our great episodes, you know, he uh, he did uh, last year, you know, an episode that people had a lot of mixed feelings, but I actually really, really liked a lot was uh, the dog episode where, you know, uh, and there's this last shot in it where the guy gets thrown out by his family and it's the Spinwalker episode and the dog is just walking down the street by itself, and just the way he shot everything, I, I remember watching it almost crying. Like, I was like, oh, my God. You know, like, you felt so much for the monster, and he lost everything in trying to protect this family that he loved. And, uh, you know, I was just, I just remember thinking, you know, my God, Bob just nailed that. He really just, you know, made that something better than, uh, you know, it's. I think it was All Dogs Go to Heaven, right? That's the episode. Uh just trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it was uh, 12th episode last year. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but once again, just 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 blew me away. Just thought it was like that's where someone takes it to the next level as a director. Mm-hmm. And you know, too, I just thought you know he really had some beautiful shots and shot it really well. And I think you know you got to remember his, he helps with the direction of the acting. And you know, I I will guarantee that that little girl was was as good as she was because she had someone like Janelle you know, directing her. Mhm. Yeah. Um, was there anything that that I you know, because of time constraint or, or whatever the reason I know that you know, unfortunately you just there's just logistics and time and all that. Something sometimes things need to be cut. Was there anything cut from this that you're you're you are sort of a little bit sorry that it it had to go or Maybe it deleted well, the scene to come to us later. Or... Well, there was the break-off where they were doing a break-dance break-off against each other. I'm joking. Mm-hmm. Um, can you do that? <laughs> Throwing down electric boogaloo. Uh, no, no, no. There was, there was, there's been things in the past, but there was really nothing in this episode. I mean, the episode sort of came in exactly. You know, and that, that's really nice, too, when you sort of plan it all out and then you get to the end and you're like, yep, knew it, and that's, we planned it out perfectly, and that's exactly, you know, it's exactly paced out the way you thought it was going to be paced oh. out. You know, sometimes you write a script and it's too long, or sometimes you write a script and it's too short, you know, and then, you know, but, you know, I have to once again give a lot of credit to Sarah and Bob, you know, they've, you know, they've been doing this so long, they could pretty much call it from the outline. You know, they'll say, ah, oh, this, this might be a little short, or this might be a little long, and the more you do the show, the more you learn that, too. talking earlier about characters, you know, too, that we love, and it's funny because, you know, I didn't end up writing it, but I pitched uh, the Becky idea, and uh, my Becky idea is misery, like, what if she captured Sam, and, like, you know, because she wanted him to keep writing the books, because the books weren't being written anymore, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, and then it turned into the episode that it turned into, but... Um, 
you know, Becky's one of those characters we talk about a lot in the room, too, because we just, we like her and we think she's funny, and we were always looking for a way to bring her back in, you know. So sometimes a character will stay with us, and it'll take a couple of years before we get him back, you know. I mean, obviously, we've used Meg a lot, but we like Meg, you know, and we like the actress, you know. And and so when you like, you know, it's a combination of things. If you think not only it was a great part, but the actor killed it, you're always looking for ways to bring those characters back in somehow. And, you know, it depends. Sometimes it takes longer just because they don't fit into any stories. Like I know – uh, from the moment I got there, we, we were trying to figure out a Becky story, and we finally figured one out that we thought worked for her. Out of all of the episodes that you've written, has there been, like, one specific line that you've written that is, like, you stood out and like, wow, I really like that line? <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of lines. And there's a lot of different things and you know, on, on each script that you love, and sometimes not even the lines the moments or it's the actor and uh, the way they deliver it. But, like, you know, like you just said, the Gwyneth Cloture line, I, I, I really liked a lot. And, uh, you know, you you find those moments in, in scripts that uh, mean something to you. And, you know, um, I remember the first thing I pitched was uh, when I took off the job was Two and a Half Men. And I said, what if Sam and Dean, um, you know, were given a baby, you know, and having the baby from point A to point B, which is sort of like, I, I said, it's, it, there's a, a famous Japanese lone wolf and cub. I was basically pitching that. And then I think it was Kripke who said, mm. you know, well, what if the baby's a monster, you know? And and then I think the line, the line that I loved was, um, you know, welcome to the party, Gutenberg. Because, you know, it was like three men and a baby, you know? <laughs> like, so yeah, so like there's little things like that, and you know, uh, that really helped. But um yeah, you know, a little bit of every, you know, each script has a little something special that you love. And like I said, it's like, you know, if I really look back at All Dogs Go to Heaven, my favorite thing is that shot that popped in at the end with the dog, you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's you always, there's, oh, every, you can almost watch every episode and there's one thing, but it's not, my point overall is that it's not always a line. It's always like, it can be something, you know, that the boys do or, you know, something the director does. And yeah, and then sometimes there's a line. Out of all of the episodes that you've written, is there um, one that's, you know, in particular, like, your favorite or anything? Like, my my probably my favorite of all of yours would be Mommy Dearest. I was just going to say that's my favorite, yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Why is it your favorite? How did you come up with the Jefferson Starships? <laughs> Look, I would love to take credit for that, too. I had the idea of basically uh, that he should have a name for them. And we were throwing around a lot of different names. And it was Kripke who came up. He was like, no, 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 it's this. You know, we were in the room. And he's like, it's, it's Jefferson Starships, you know. And uh, and it just made us all laugh so hard. Because we kept saying, what, like, you know, we just keep thinking of bands, you know. Like, what's the, you know, the, the band? And, and, and he finally said that one. And, I mean, we went through them all, I think, you know, we – we were like rats, <laughs> like throwing out every like fan anthrax, you know. And he said Jefferson Starship, and we just all started cracking up. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 one I really like, and and Eve, and you know, I just uh, and just you know everything. And it's so funny. That's like one of those ones where like you know I put a lot of my friends' names into it, and so a lot of the characters is is people from my life and stuff like that. And uh, but I really really liked writing Eve and. 
you know, I just love the bar scene, and I just love the way Dean sort of, like, you know, takes, you know, the uh, Phoenix Ashes and drinks them and tricks her. And, you know, everything, that whole conversation in, in, in the diner I love and how she's been the waitress the whole time. And that's, it's so funny, too. It's like that was an idea I always had, which was, you know, that, you know, sometimes as writers we'll have things that we think of and you're always looking for a place for it and you just never know where it's going to pop up. So I always wanted to do this thing where, like, you know, the, you know it's like the old saying, like, you know, it's, it's Edgar Allan Poe who's like, he, he's telling you the, he was telling you the story is the killer. You know, well, mine was like, what if, you know, the, the person who's serving you, the waitress at the place, is, is the person you've been looking for the whole time? And you keep going back to this diner, and, I, you know, I had that idea for a movie. And so finally, here, years later, 10 years later, you know, there was an opportunity to use it, you know. But, yes, Mommy Dearest is my favorite. Mommy Dearest. Yes, finish. Uh, Mommy Dearest and this episode both – did really good use of the music. Do you write in which particular songs you want to be used, or does someone else choose the music? Yeah, it's usually Phil and Bob, you know. Um, I did have, I knew that we wanted something cool there at the end, and, and uh, you know, on the jukebox and Mommy Dearest, and, you know, a lot of that's discussed in the room, and, and we'll talk about it, and sometimes the decision's made in post. Uh, in Mommy Dearest, we definitely sort of, we, we kept talking about what it could be, and then sometimes you'll sit in editing, and they'll play you a bunch of different songs, and then you sort of all talk about it and discuss it and stuff like that. So, you know, I think you have a root idea, and then off that root, you sort of find it all together. Um, Amy and Sydney wanted to know if, in your episode, Like a Virgin, did you always picture the dragons as humans? You know, once again, and really interesting, you know, that was um, Ben Edlund had been wanting to do Dragons for years and kept pitching it and nothing was happening with it. And then we share off, or not share offices, our offices are right next to each other. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking and we just kept talking about the Dragons and how to make the Dragons work and Dragon, Dragon, Dragon. And I think we, you know, we, <laughs> the timing was right and they were ready to do the Dragons. But, you know, it was always the issue of like, you know, on our budget, how do you do Dragons? And you know, one of the things I said, which, you know, I know Ben really took to and that, you know, we used as an argument was, you know, and it was a line that was originally in the script but got taken out was, you know, if you turned around and you ran, you know, you were the knight of a kingdom or, you know, the leader of an army and you went back to your, you know, sort of king and said to the king, you know, well, this man beat us. Well, you know, he would have cut your head off. But if you said this beast you know, that was 20 feet tall and shot fire out of his, you know, thing and had a long tail and was this, like, scary monster, then the king would be a little more forgiving. So we said, what's not to say dragons were human and that, you know, the myth that was made about them, so as to save their own, you know, hides was, you know, that they were these big things. And that sort of, like, started to become our idea. As we started talking about that, we started to see them as more human-like, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's how that all began and, and – the introduction to Eve and, you know, the mother of all monsters and all that stuff. And can you um, can you tell us what it was like um, writing Soulless Sam and how different was it writing Soulless Sam versus Soulful Sam? Yeah, a little hard at first. You know, I mean, there were hours and hours and hours and days of discussions of what does it mean not to have a soul, you know, and that's where the job gets really interesting sometimes because getting into some really heavy philosophical stuff and, 
you know, and then obviously everybody has different viewpoints on that. You know, what is what is what is not to have a soul? Um, I I actually liked it because I think we got to see. You know, if you remove the soul, and this was one of the arguments that we would get into, and this was my take on it. If you remove the soul, there's actually, in some ways, more of a purity to your humanity because then you're 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 who you are, you know, and you don't have anything judging you. Uh, including yourself. There's no boundaries on your humanity. And your humanity, and, and by the way, what's humanity? Humanity is anything. It's, it's good, it's bad, it's, it's evil, it's all those things. So in Sam's case, you know, he could do things that uh, really with no conscious, you know, and so it really sort of opened up, you know. So like, you know, I think he has a line there. He's like, I, you know, he's just being like, you know, and it's such a small line. He's like, you know, because in all honesty, I don't even care about you. You know, it's like, that's a really hard line, you know, especially for these two guys that have were basically been watching all these seasons because of you know, how much they care about each other and love each other. And now here's him going, I actually don't care about you. I know I should, like, have these feelings for you, and I recognize that, but I don't. You know, it's, like, pretty harsh, you know. But, um, you know, I just I, – I liked badass Sam in a way. I liked Sam sort of, like, uncensored and on, you know, everything sort of taken off, and we've done so much with it and put him through so much. And, um, you know, once again, I just think uh, Jared does such a great job with him and really brought that out. I mean, it's not easy to play. How, you know, imagine being an actor and you're reading, you're soulless. Okay, what's that mean? How do you play that, you know? And I know that him and Sarah and Eric and Bob had a lot of talks about it, and they found it. I thought they found a really great mix for it. I think we got to see uh, a different Sam for a while, and I think that was both refreshing for us and refreshing for the actor to do something and play something like that. Some of my favorite soulless Sam moments were in your episode, um, All Dogs Go to Heaven, when he's taunting Lucky with the ball, the human version, and in the interrogation scene. Yeah. I, I really like those. Yeah, I mean, that's Sam being sort of like, Dean would do something dicky like that, usually, and it was Sam doing it, you know, like, you know, so fetch, you know, basically was what he's saying, you know, you know. Yeah, it really was different for him. And, and by the way, you know, you know the character, you're sitting there writing it, and you're like, instinctively, you're like, oh, this doesn't feel like Sam. And you're like, oh, you got to remember, that's Sola Sam now. So Sola Sam might be a little different and do something different. Kent, do you, um, do you know what, what, uh, when you'll be writing another episode for Supernatural? Is it like, do you have a schedule? Or does it just, you know, pop up, oh, I'll write this episode? Or Well, you go and you pitch your ideas, and then based off their ideas, usually where you fall in. I am actually, I wrote my episode over Christmas, and I'm doing my rewrite right now. So my next episode is being finished as we speak. Yeah, any idea when that one should air? Um, in the spring sometimes. I, you know, I don't know when exactly. But I will tell you this. It's about Sam and Dean. Ooh, <laughs> 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 Sam and Dean are in it, and... and could you maybe let us know if maybe they possibly kill things? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's a monster, and yeah. and okay. trunk full of weapons. And you know, it's funny. I've written, you know, I've written, you know, been lucky enough to have written a couple of different shows, and uh, I, I I've shared this story before, but I always find it really funny. You know, um, I was raised in New York City, but my 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 father's side of the family is all from the South, and so. I rarely have gone down there, but when I do, I, I go see my uncle Lamar, who's this just, you know, old Southern Republican 
sort of like, you know, just real good old boy. And, you know, he, he'd always say to me, yeah, I don't see, I don't know that show, I don't know that show. And here I was in Supernatural, and he came to me down at my cousin's house, and he's like, man, I love Sam and Dean. <laughs> you know, he's like, I've seen every episode, <laughs> you know, and he just started talking to me about stuff, and I just, just cracked me up, and it just once again goes to show there's something so Americana about these two guys, and they speak to so many different kinds of people. And as time goes on, I'm just blown away. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or Republican or Democrat or black or white. You know, it just doesn't matter. It's like there's so many people who just sort of relate to these guys and love these characters and love this show, and it, it's really amazing to me. Well, I know that um, you said you had somewhere you needed to be. I do. I, I apologize. I appreciate the uh, the time and, and getting to uh, talk to everybody and uh, just keep watching. And uh, thank you so much uh, for what you guys are doing. And thank you for everyone who's listening for checking out our show. Uh, we're the reason. You're the reason we're still on the air and we keep going and we keep doing what we do. And so keep tuning in and we'll keep uh, keep trying to write it as long as they let us. Okay. Thank, thank you. you so much, Adam. Really appreciate you being on the show tonight. Okay, maybe thank you, you everybody. Maybe you can come back when when your next episode airs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sounds good. Love that. Anytime. All right. And you know what? Next, next, I, I want one quick shout-out. Next week, episode's awesome. It takes uh, Dean back to the 40s. And uh, Robbie Thompson, who joined, our, uh, joined us this year and wrote um, Slash Fiction, which I thought was an awesome episode. He's an amazing writer. We're so glad to have him with us. He's kicking, kicking mm-hmm. butt on the show, and I think this is going to be another one of those great episodes that everyone's going to point to. He's definitely making his mark on the show. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> and uh, Nick Lee and Jason Doring. <laughs> yep, exactly. Okay. All righty, everybody. Have a good night. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much Good night. Adam? Oh, was- my goodness. He was great. We definitely have to get him back on the show. He's great. I know. So he can he can come back and he can talk about his episode that he wrote about Sam and Dean. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can you believe that spoiler? <laughs> wow, I know. And they'll have weapons and everything. <laughs> it's just very funny. Yeah, it was great to have him on. Like I said, he was our, our first writer. And... So great to get you know insight into what goes on into doing a supernatural script in the writer's room and everything like that. So yeah, it was great. Great to have him on. And it was really cool. We got a lot more, a lot of different insight than we usually get from like the actors and directors that we usually have. So it was really mm-hmm. cool. It's very cool. I appreciate him taking the time because those writers. I mean, they're they're well, everybody on Supernatural is super busy, but uh, um, they they can't move without the writers. <laughs> so, yeah, we appreciate him taking some time and talking to us. That's great. So, uh, what did you think of the episode? Did you like it? Um, I, I did, and um, I'm sorry for hesitating, <laughs> because uh, I was just thinking of everything that Adam let us know about it, and there's so much uh, going on. Um, it's funny. One of the things he said he talked about, they talked about, was where were they going to start this episode? Because in the last episode, Bobby, uh, as far as we know, and Sam and Dean know, Bobby has passed away. And I wondered 
where were they going to start this episode? And he said that they they didn't want to go into any kind of great angst and drama and, and trauma and, and that uh, there had also been a, a time break for us and they kind of sort of do things in kind of real time, I guess, except for the whole year they skipped that time. But, um, and I thought... You know, I understand, and I and I do loved that they showed the week one and Sam and Dean just sitting and doing nothing because they just weren't capable of doing anything else. Right, right. And, and week two and week three, but I, I would not have minded actually seeing some of the immediate aftermath with Bobby and, like you asked, the decision they made, or did they make a decision about Bobby's body? Did they... Yeah, I have to they bury it. I'm I'm very curious and, and he's and it's like he is like their dad. He's such an important character. I I wouldn't have minded seeing a little bit of the aftermath. Right, I, I completely agree. I absolutely I, you know, I really, really like the episode and even more after, you know, talking with Adam and getting more insight into it. And if I have only one qualm about the episode, it, it is that I really would have liked to have seen what happened, you know, what they decided, uh-huh. what was their decision. Like, you know, there were all, you know, people always wanted to um, see after Dean died, you know, Sam and uh-huh. Bobby burying Dean and everything. So it's the same thing. I would like to have seen what, you know, what happened uh-huh. with Bobby. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes think, and I'm, I don't know, you know, we're, Fandom is, you know, it's just a, we're not the only people who watch Supernatural. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of general viewers, you know, we, we mentioned, Adam mentioned he had a choice to go to NCIS LA or Supernatural, and he picked Supernatural, and I watch NCIS LA. I'm not the least bit Spanish about it, you know, I, 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 I don't follow it that closely. I don't know every little thing. I don't know every little writer or producer or the details or as emotionally invested as I am um, to Supernatural, but there are fans who are. (laughs) So I sometimes I'm not sure they're aware that there are people who would like to know those things. Um, The the other thing is, you know, Sam and Dean have have lost so much and, and they've had so much hurt and pain, you just sometimes you need a balance and you need to see some comfort. I, I, I would have liked to have seen Sam and Dean actually trying to help each other. And I know Dean's really hard when I see Sam trying a teensy, teensy tiny bit, you know, but it, I, I don't know. Actually, I, the, the, the tag scene in the car I thought was pretty cool. Sam said, no, I'm not all right. I'm not all right in the least. He says, I just want to work and Dean gets that, and then Dean listening to what Frank had told him, he said, you know, I, I smiled and I was, I called it being professional, and I made myself pretend I was okay, and then I did it again for another week, and I could definitely see Dean thinking that and trying it out with the smiling at the end, and it was, it was very, it was bittersweet, you know, yeah. so it, anyway. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you know, Jensen just again, like I you know mentioned to Adam, he just broke my heart at that in that last mm-hmm. scene because you could tell, you know, he is so sad and his life just 
sucks. And mm-hmm. he, but he's just he's going to keep his head up. He's going to keep smiling. He's going to keep going. And it's going to be hard, but he's going to try. And it just uh, all that. And he, you know, he you could you could tell all that just from Jensen's face, and that just shows what an awesome actor he is. Mhm. Yeah, definitely. And you can tell with Adam, and not just him. You know, they say that they're these actors. He says they they're they're just amazed sometimes what they what they bring to a line or or a scene. And you can definitely see it with with Jensen there for sure in that last moment. Um, I thought it, I I I'm not I'm not sure it'd be a question for Adam. Or not, but I thought it was interesting that this episode also split up Sam and Dean mm-hmm. right after Bobby, and and not really in a bad way. I actually like that um, they've actually learned the guys and they've come a long way. I think in their relationship and and maturity, and that they can split up. It's like Sam said, "Okay, I'll go do this," and but you know, the the minute you realize that Frank's spinning his wheels, you know, you come join me, and it's like they're okay and they know the other one can take care of themselves but and and as soon as Sam knew what was going on he left that really good detailed message on Dean's phone mm -hmm, and and Dean was telling him over the phone you know well I'm you know yeah keep me posted and we're doing that so I I thought that was cool and of course Dean apparently actually slept for 36 hours which was amazing Wow, that's a really long time. Is that like almost coma? (laughs) (laughs) And Miss Sam's call, which, of course, you know, I'm sure Dean wasn't feeling too good about anyway, but. Um, Before, while I'm thinking about it, I do want to mention a few of the website stuff we've got going on right now. Okay. Um, We've um, still got the St. Jude's fundraiser going on for um, Jared and Genevieve um, in lieu of gifts. They've asked um, fans to donate to St. Jude's um, Children's Research Hospital. And we are trying, um, we've got that all set up, a first giving page. There's a link to it on winchesterrose.com. And everybody who donates, um, we're hoping to get to our goal of $20,000 by March 1st. And so everyone who donates will be eligible will be eligible to win a prize. Um, we're currently at seventeen thousand four hundred and thirty eight dollars, so we don't have very much left to go. Mm-hmm. And if you donate, um, you'll be eligible to win. There's um, a really cool cloth banner signed by Jared and Jensen, a couple of autographed me- photos of Misha, a divine cap autographed by all of the producers of. Divine, Nisha, um, Ivan Hayden, Jason Fisher, and Kirk Jack. Um, a, some really cool Joss Whedon verse items. A book, a V's for Vampire book, autographed by Joss Whedon, Sarah Michelle Geller, David Boreanaz, James Marsters, Eliza Dishku, basically everybody. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and there's some really cool items. So if you're, um, you would like to help the St. Jude's Children's Church Hospital, um, as well as give a gift to Jared and um, Genevieve and possibly win a prize, make sure you check that out. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and everybody's name is going, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, everybody's name 
We're um, going to have a card made. It'll be a big card because there's a lot of people <laughs> that needed. Um, but we're having a card made, and all the names of everybody who donates will be in that card. And Vinny and I are um, hopefully we're going, we're trying really hard. I think we're actually going to go to the Burbank Convention, and we're going to give the card to Jared then. Don't think um, Jen will be there, you know, because she'll be, you know, pretty much nine months pregnant then. But you know, Jared Jared will be there. So. Yeah, as long as Genevieve's not in the delivery room at the time of the convention. <laughs> very true, very true. And if so, then we'll have to give it to Cliff or Jensen or something. <laughs> <laughs> very exciting, my goodness. Uh, good for them. Um, sounds like everything's going well, and and uh, we're pleased to hear that. Um, and this week, People's Choice Awards will be an- announced, and so keep our fingers crossed that we, you know, hopefully... Supernatural won both mm-hmm. awards that we were up for, Best Drama and Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody uh, from the show announced as as going to the show yet. Um, and I know, I remember Cliff saying, well, if they win drama, that the, the boys will probably go. So, But, uh, you know, it would be great if they won Sci-Fi Fantasy Show, too. You know, anything would be fantastic. They deserve it all, for sure. Yeah, we won it year before last, and then last year Fringe beat us, which if anybody's going to beat us, I'm happy it's Fringe because I love Fringe, but I want Supernatural <laughs> to win. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. You know, I I just thought of another question I, I wanted to ask Adam, but I, I probably couldn't answer me on this one either, but I just wanted to let him know that we all miss Baby. We miss the Impala, and I just mm-hmm. wonder if we're going to see her again soon. Well, Jim Michaels has tweeted that we will be seeing her, but he can't. He won't let us know when. But he says she is coming back. <laughs> yeah, we miss her. You know, I was a little bit um, misled by the by the Skylark in the episode last night. You know, the old Skylark that yeah. she was driving. You know, it's kind of the right mm-hmm. shape, and the engine sounded kind of like it. And I was like, "Wait, is that baby?" And I'm like, "No, oh no, I miss her." <laughs> oh. Come back soon, <laughs> Impala. And let's see. Was there anything else we have going on website-wise and with Supernatural-wise? I, I know this week's episode, the one coming up, will um, be the last new one this month. There um, reruns the next two weekends afterwards. Which oh, really? Yeah, but, you know, we're, we actually got lucky because, you know, as, as you know, you know, we usually don't get an episode back this early. Usually, you know, we're mm-hmm. end of January, early February. That that's right, and I know they're getting ready for February sweeps stuff. You know, so yeah, we are lucky to have a couple new episodes uh, this month, and I'm so excited for the one on Friday. Um, oh my gosh! Uh, How long have you and I been wanting Nick Lee to be on the show? <laughs> I I. So long. Oh, my God, I can't even remember how. It's been years, and, like, ever since beginning. And, and, and you know, Guy D is another fan, and we used to, I used to tweet him sometimes and say, he'd say, oh, I got a dream casting. I'm like, oh, is it Nick Lee? And he'd say, no, darn it, you know, I'm sorry, but maybe another time. And I'm like, darn. He's, like, so great. And uh, and in the same episode, Jason Doring from yes. Veronica Mars. And I love Nick yeah, I love him. I, I just can't wait. And the preview looked awesome. And and Adam even gave it a shout-out that oh, Robbie Thompson. I loved the episode Slash Fiction. Yeah, so, um, um, Slash Fiction 
is one of my absolute favorite episodes this season. It was so good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this week's episode looks great. And it just, you know, I think probably, the, you know, with the first few episodes, first few podcasts I was ever on with Winchester Radio Clarity, I think you and I talked about Nick Lee being on, you know, how we would love for him mm-hmm. to be on. And that was just four years ago. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, finally. Well, you know, it, <laughs> I'm glad the uh, supernatural has gone on uh, long enough to get Nick Lee on there. And now that we have Nick Lee, we have to start sort of sending vibes for our next uh, dream dream casting person. On uh, I always wanted Peter Wingfield, but he he went back he went to med, back to medical school, <laughs> which is really cool uh, for Peter Wingfield. Uh, did you ever watch Highlander the series? He was Mythos, and he. This year he made the decision to go back to medical school. He started out when he first became an actor. He went to, um, before he became an actor, he was going to medical school and left just before he took his final boards and recently made a life decision and decided to go back to medical school, which is very cool. But he was a dream uh, actor, and uh, David Duchovny would be another, I think, fun guest yeah. star. And Jillian Anderson, oh, I would love to have Scully on. And mm-hmm. I would, up until this year, I would say James Marsters and Charisma Carpenter, but we already got them. <laughs> I know, another dream come true. <laughs> so Eliza Bush, uh, too, she would be a good one. I would love to see Eliza on the show. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, ah, I had someone, and I, they went right out of my head. Oh, Brendan Fair from Roswell. She's a, mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, kind of genre. I think he'd be really cool. Um, yeah, there's still plenty out there. Still plenty out we're, there. Fun. We've been getting such great guest actors. I mean, you know, the, Kevin McNally, who plays Frank Devereaux, I mean, he's from Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I mean, he's awesome. And DJ mm-hmm. Qualls this year, and just so many great people. And for us here, shoot, we forgot to mention that to yeah, Adam Ron, that we had for Ron, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was so amazing. So amazing. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. Um, anything else about this episode you want to bring up or we're wondering? Or... Um, I thought it was, you know, Bobby's house burned down you know, took out Bobby's house, but now, you know, they still got Rufus's cabin to go back to. So I liked mm-hmm. seeing, I, I didn't expect to see Sam and Dean hanging out at Rufus's cabin after Bobby was gone. So I thought that was interesting to see them back there. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool because at least, because before, you know, they, they would have gone back to some old, you know, some motel room and they don't, you're right, they don't have Bobby's house anymore. I I love that they had Rufus's cabin and had spent time with Bobby there. So it's beca- it became somewhat a little bit of a home environment for them. So they had some place to go back to that was kind of familiar and comforting. So I'm, I love that they still have Rufus's cabin. Of course, you know I say that, and they'll probably blow it up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> right. But, but for now, we have it. Um, did you like the character of Chrissy? Um, you know, she's like 15 and teen, and I, I mean, Madison aside, the actress who played her, Madison Blaine, who I thought was fantastic, and, um, um, but, she's uh, on Twitter. Uh, she's on what? Twitter, and she's on Twitter, and she's been, mm-hmm. you know, 
She um, just actually this evening she's been tweeting a bunch of pictures of her on set with Jensen, which I retweeted a couple of them with Winchester Bros. But yeah, mm-hmm. I thought she did a great job. She was really good. Um, I think my favorite scene with her was when she was holding the gun on Dean, and mm-hmm. I, I, I thought I just thought she did really really great. Held her own in that scene. Yeah, I I uh, one of my favorite lines actually in the episode was. Um, um, if if I'm not coming, you're not going. Yes, and, that was my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course, you know, and, and um you know, she's she's great and she's a hunter's kid for sure, but you know, Dean is a hunter and of course, you know, he just he just smacked the gun and, and he he was mostly one step ahead of her and I'm which I thought was, was the right right way to be because, you know, occasionally I'm not talking about this this episode but in some sometimes, you know, the the kid knows everything. And his comparison to True Grit was very interesting and actually very very appropriate after he mentioned it. Oh yeah, she is very, very similar to to her in that. But um and I'm glad you and others asked about being freezing in that scene when the face off with the batal is at the end because I thought he's not moving, he's not doing anything, you know, and I said this is, I thought he had more, but I actually thought he and Chrissy might have actually come up with a plan together because I thought she was kind of looking at him like she was trying to telegraph to him, I'm I'm up to something here, you know, it's not what you Mm -hmm. think. Right, right, because at first when she first came in, I was like, oh, kid, you ruined it, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, Mm -hmm. it's more. But, you know, she really pulled it out. Mhm. Yeah, it was strange. I guess it is because it's Dean and kids, kind of, that maybe he was a little bit hesitant about her in there. And I thought it was cool that uh, Chrissy, you know, staffed the one Vitala and then ran to cut, fought to, to cut Sam free and give him right. a weapon as well. Instead of, so, yeah. instead of, you know, I would have thought, you know, she would go to her dad, but, you know, he was on the verge of death, basically. You know, Sam, thing which I love, Sam saved his life in this episode by getting um, the Vital um, to go after him instead of the dad because the dad had already been um, fed on three times and probably one more time would kill him. And I love mm-hmm. how Sam taunted her, you know, telling her that story, and she came over to him instead. I love that. Yeah, that was that was great and, and a very Sam thing to do. You know, it's like Bobby said, you know, I, I, I raised heroes and and they both are. Absolutely. And I, I really liked the goodbye scene between Chrissy and Dean. I thought it was I'm glad she didn't hug him. It would have been typical, you know, to do something like that. I really liked the sort of fist bump, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. she's a hunter and kind of tough and And how lame are we kind of thing. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so you're so lame. Here's <laughs> Weave, and Dean says, "Yes, yes, we are." And I guess I guess her dad decided to quit after all. And you know what? I really hope they make it, and I hope we see them again sometime. Mhm. Right. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And, and he, Ian, Ian Tracy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ian Tracy, who played the dad, I really liked him. The first time I ever saw him was in an episode of X Files. So yeah, I really liked seeing him. Oh, what X-Files was he in? He was in, uh, let me pull up the name. I can't think of the name. 
Um, it was a military one. Um, where? Oh, let me pull it up on IMDb real quick. I thought it was so cool because he was a very, I mean, for a hunter, he was fairly normal. He was a father, and his he's raising his daughter as best he can, you know, obviously, because she saw her mother torn apart. I don't, we don't know if that sent her dad into hunting or if maybe both of them were hunters, and that's just what happened to mom, unfortunately. But I, I thought he was really cool. I mean, if a hunter can be kind of normal, he sort of was. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. reasonable and kind of rational and everything. I think he'd be a really cool ally for Sam and Dean sometimes if, you know, it's hard to stay out of hunting. But, you know, what if they get out of hunting and stay out and be normal. And I thought school they brought up Stanford, Sam going to Stanford and Dean mm-hmm. mentioning it. That was really great. And um, I have to mention Megan Ori, who played um, the, the taller, that was a tall with very long dark hair, She's on Once Upon a Time in Little Red Riding Hood, and I thought she was really fun. So and another show I She was in the Bear, on Dark Angel, the Beresford Agenda episode with Jensen. Right. Um, she, yeah, she was the girl that um, Alex fell in love with, which I thought it was cool. Yeah. But I found um, I found the X Files episode. It was The Walk. He was the disabled veteran. Um, I think he was a quadriplegic in a wheelchair and right. yeah he would get um he could use his spirit or whatever to kill people oh yeah yeah i remember that episode oh definitely yeah i remember him for sure yeah, he was great he was really good casting on X, on supernatural is amazing i mean really amazing not just like the like the you know like nick lee or James Marsters or something. I mean, you may not know them automatically or something, but they're just or uh, they're just great. They do a great job. Well, and real Very quick, well. I want to give a shout out to Ivan Hayden in the visual effects department. I'm watching the scene right now where the um, the tall's die, and mm. after oh, that was really good and creepy. They did a really excellent job. Yes. Yeah, you guys certainly did. Certainly did. Ivan and, and the director last night, uh, Adam mentioned him also. Um, I, wanna, I have to read his name so I don't get it wrong. Jano Clark? Uh, I apologize, sir, if I'm, I'm misspelling your name, uh, I'm mispronouncing your name, but I think Adam called him Jano. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as you know, and yeah. um, they also did. Um, this is their second episode. They also did Mannequin Three: The Reckoning, and um, which you know, all-time favorite supernatural title ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he. I I did not know until Adam mentioned. That he um, also did Somewhere in Time, which is, like I said, one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, yeah. So that is really cool that the director for Somewhere in Time is directed to Supernatural episodes. I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which, you know what? I may have to pull out my DVDs and watch it tonight. I'm, I keep thinking of it some more time. So I have to pull it out. <laughs> um, I know that's a classic. I have never seen it. You have never seen it? You have to see it. Christopher Reeve. I Reed. know. I know, I know, I know. It's a big favorite of many of my friends. and I've got more DVDs than time <laughs> to watch <laughs> them, unfortunately. <laughs> Darn it. Um, but yeah, I know that's a that's a classic for sure. Um, anything else? Are we uh, about done for the? Evening? I I can't think of anything. Okay, well, thanks everybody for listening. Welcome back, Happy New Year! Uh, thanks again, a big thank you to uh, Adam Glass, uh, co good grief, co-executive producer. Adam Glass and writer Adam Glass and he was wearing his writing cap tonight when he was on the podcast and we appreciate that very very much hopefully he'll be able to come back uh, when the next episode that he uh, apparently is just now finishing up uh, airs later on this year that would be great and thank so thank you everybody for listening and Vinny apparently I don't know if she didn't get off work until, you know, still hasn't gotten off work, or she was sick, so maybe she just went home and went straight to bed. I don't know, but we miss you, Benny. (laughs) Yep, we miss you, Benny. I'm sorry you couldn't be on. Hopefully you'll get a chance to listen, and we'll definitely, uh, hopefully, uh, it'll be next week. Yeah, next week podcast um, for next episode, time after time after time. Well, Jim, CW is still saying that it's time after time after time, but Jim Michaels tweeted to us and said that mm-hmm. they renamed it to time after time. So, Okay. Uh, uh, whether it's after three after times or just two, <laughs> uh, we'll have <laughs> lots to talk about. It looks amazing, and uh, you can you can listen to Becky and I go crazy for Nick D and Chase <laughs> again. We're very excited. And uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Uh, stay warm or cool, wherever you are. I know we've got our Australian uh, listeners, and it's it's uh, summer down there. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Okay, thanks, everybody. Good night.